I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 209 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that is coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I hope everybody enjoyed their Memorial Day weekend and found some time to remember all of the men and women who sacrificed everything for us. I have an awesome guest to bring you guys today. He is a veteran and the guitarist from the band Three Doors Down. Chris Henderson will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. I received some great feedback from yesterday's episode with Gold Star father Larry Brown. We talked all about his son Adam's struggle with addiction before eventually joining the Navy and becoming a Navy SEAL. Today's guest also struggled with addiction, so it is another conversation that really hits home for me. And I can tell you just from driving Uber over the weekend here, there is no shortage of people who are addicted to alcohol, drugs, or both. I mainly drove down in Belmar and Asbury Park here in New Jersey, and it was not a pretty sight to say the least, but I guess you have to go through it before you can realize just how poisonous the stuff and the lifestyle can really be. I can only pray that my experience with addiction will be a valuable teaching tool to my kids as they get into high school and are eventually exposed to all this stuff. Uh, But I don't want to harp on it. I do understand that not everybody who drinks or enjoys a cocktail is an alcoholic. Uh, Many people are out there that drink responsibly. I do understand that many of you guys are probably nursing a hangover today after a long weekend of partying. And all I could say about that is better you than me. All right, tomorrow on the podcast, I will have an actor on the show who currently stars on CBS's SEAL team. AJ Buckley will be here with me. And I will be announcing an awesome giveaway for all you dads out there. So make sure you lock it in and join me for that. And please, if you have a chance, get over to iTunes and hit me with a rating or a review. It goes a long way to help me out here. And please, make sure you are sharing this podcast with every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list. Let them know about the podcast that celebrates fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And right now, I'm going to jump into the action with Chris Henderson. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. You are going to hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to consider becoming a sponsor of First Class Fatherhood, please hit me up with an email, firstclassfatherhood at gmail.com. All right, and joining me now is a first-class father. He is the guitarist of the band Three Doors Down, which has produced several multi-platinum selling albums with hit songs that include When I'm Gone, Here Without You, and so many others. He is also a veteran of the United States Navy. It is an honor for me to say Chris Henderson. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, here we go. How many kids do you have, and how old are they? Okay, uh, I have... Uh... I have three children of my own that are my, that are my children. I have three girls, uh, 25, 17, and 14. And I have two foster children that are my nephews, uh, 11-year-old and 2-year-old, both boys. And I have two stepchildren that are both boys. One's 20, uh, 24, and the other one's 31. Wow, okay, that's quite a lineup there. Uh, what type of uh, sports or activities are they into? Uh, well, my 11-year-old and my 14-year-old both do soccer, and uh, my 11-year-old does football. And wrestling, Boy Scout. Um, my my girl plays both indoor and outdoor soccer. Both both teams are travel teams. I don't know 
that's about it. The rest of them are kind of uh, are, are out of it. Okay, very cool. Please, Chris, just take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Um, I'm a professional musician. I play guitar for Three Doors Down. Um, I've done that since 1997, so I haven't had a day job in a long time. I also do work part-time at a treatment center in, um, in the youth department, a drug and alcohol treatment center. Um, and I'm a father, and, uh, and a CrossFit addict. And, uh, yeah, all that. Pretty much a fitness addict. So cool. And how did becoming a father, Chris, kind of change your perspective on life? Well, it was, it was, it was definitely a learning curve, man. My first, my first child um, I had when I was 19 years old, I was in the military. And there was so much, um, there was so much going on, you know, with my life and, and, and the girl's life and just everything. Being so young, it was just really, it wasn't like, it wasn't a traditional relationship, you know? So I, I never really got, I never really learned how to do it, if that makes sense. And then so when I, when I finally got married and had children with my, with my first wife, um, I still didn't know how to do it, even though I had kind of some, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I had any experience because I didn't, but I didn't really know how to do it. And I was in a band, in a really successful band that wasn't home at all. I don't want to say I was home a lot. I wasn't home. I mean, it was, you know, if I didn't take my family on the road, I didn't see them. And that's the way it was. And uh, so it didn't really, uh, it didn't change my perspective until I actually got off the road for about six months and came home and saw what fatherhood was really all about. And then, you know, I had to break through my wife and, uh, and I had to get her to allow me to do it. If that meant, you know what I mean? Because she had done everything. It was her, they were her children. <laughs> and I was just the guy that, that came in and out every, every now and then. It was really tough to learn. And, uh, so I, I missed a bit of it, but, um, but I just, when, when I, when I finally got the opportunity, I jumped in with both feet and, um, and definitely changed. It changed everything about how I think. But it changed my relationship with food. It changed my relationship with my band. It changed my relationship with life in general, with my health. It changed everything for me. But it didn't happen overnight. It wasn't. Um, it was. It's definitely a learning curve. Yeah, well said. And I know that you are sober now, and that is something that didn't happen overnight either. Uh, what was the final straw that led you to sobriety? Well, um, there was a lot, man. It wasn't just one thing. It was several things. I think that. Um, to be completely honest with you, what got me clean was actually getting clean the first time because I had attempted to do it on my own because I was ashamed of myself. So there were many things that I did that made me want to get clean. But if anyone who has any experience with addiction, it's not one of those things where you just get up on Friday morning and you go, hey, I'm going to go get clean, everybody. See you in a minute. It just does not work that way. So it's really really super difficult and for some people impossible some people go you know take it to the grave you understand so it's not like this isn't anything to be messing around with it's not a joke so i didn't really i didn't get clean until i got clean because i was in a treatment center two weeks in and that's when it hit me that i was not a very good person that i had done some things wrong that i had you know did my family wrong i had done my children wrong and I had a lot of making up to do. And I had a lot of changes to make. And that's when it dawned on me. See, up, up until that point, it was everyone else's fault, right? It was my kid's fault. It was my wife's fault. It was my band's fault. It was my friend's fault. It was my dog. It was my yard. It was my neighbor. It was everyone else. It wasn't me. I was the one that, that was in control. 
Yeah, right on, Chris. And I'm a recovering alcoholic and addict myself here. And, you know, I blamed everyone and everything but myself as well. I'm glad to see that you are involved in helping other people to get sober because uh, there are so many people out there who are struggling with addiction. Uh, and for me, I, I finally got to the point where I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah, well, you know, I I never got to that point. I was just, uh, I was going to my grave, man. I wasn't going to stop. You know what I mean? I was a, I, the type of addict that I was. I was taking it all the way. I was going to run it to the end. I'd already been to the hospital. I'd already been, you know, you know, I'd already gotten basically fired from my job and, and told not to come back. My wife had already left me. There wasn't anything left for me but but take it to the bitter end. And and uh, that's what I, that, that's what I was going to do. Um, I'll tell you how I got to a treatment center. I have a really good friend. His name is Bobby Cass. He plays keyboards for the Band 38 Special. He uh, came to my house like five days in a row when I had, you know, I had, I had made the decision that I was just going to use until I couldn't, until I was just going to suffer. You know what I mean? I was just going to do it. He came to my house five days in a row, and he finally talked me into going fishing with him. He's like, hey, man, let's go fishing. Uh, it's going to be an overnight trip, pack a bag. So I packed a bag, overnight bag, got all my little goodies, everything I needed, and got in the car with him. And he dropped me off at a treatment center that was about 30 miles in the middle of nowhere, and he left me there. Wow. Yeah, that was my fishing trip, but that's how I got clean. So that, that saved my life. Wow, that's amazing, Chris. I'm sure your testimony has and will continue to help others to get sober. Uh, now, what got you into CrossFit? I know that you're a CrossFit fanatic here. Was that something that was born out of your sobriety, or were you always uh, interested in it? Well, I think CrossFit came years later. Came, um, I'm 48 now. I started CrossFit at 44. I've been clean. I've been in recovery 10 years almost. Um, what happened was, of course, when I was when I was when I was using and being, and I was addicted, I was really thin, of course, because most addicts really are. And uh, once I got clean, I ballooned. I, I, I bulked up and gained a bunch of weight. I went up to like 300 pounds, almost 287, something like that. And um, I, I couldn't get control. So basically, I, I, I removed drugs and alcohol and replaced it with food. <laughs> and uh, it was a 100% replacement. It wasn't, you know, there was no learning curve. I went from, I went from, Cocaine to pizza overnight, and um, and I never looked back. And one of the things I did was I, uh, and I, I got a sponsor, and I talked to my sponsor about it, and he was like, dude, he's like, let it play out. Get some clean time. You know, get some clean time, and then you address the food thing. He's like, don't try to do it now. It, it, it's very, you know what I mean? He didn't want me to quit too many things at once, if that makes sense. I still smoke. I smoke cigarettes, and I get snuff to tobacco. So I was really still unhealthy, but... Uh, I kept a, I, I stayed in recovery for two, 18 months before I started addressing the food problem. And, uh, and I basically just started it like I did recovery. You know what I mean? I, I made a decision uh, that I needed to learn how to be healthy because I didn't know how to be healthy. I didn't have any healthy kind of life skills at all. All I had was go for it. That's all I knew was just go, go, go. So I started researching. I used the Internet. I watched Netflix. I watched a bunch of different documentaries. Um, so I went, um, I stopped, I stopped drinking milk and I went vegan, uh, for about three years. I lost about a hundred pounds as a vegan, but I still, I wasn't, um, a hundred percent satisfied with my health. I was, uh, I started distance running and kind of like got a, almost addicted to distance running, which was not another bad thing because I wasn't a very good runner. So I was pounding my body into the pavement every day. I wasn't very strong. Um, I didn't have very good muscle tone. But I was just running, running, running. Just one of those things where I just, when I make my mind up to do something, I go. Um, so my wife was telling me, she's like, you don't really look good. You, you don't seem like you feel good. 
and my skin was broke out real bad, um, eating, you know, 100% vegan diet, not blaming anything on that. I was still pretty healthy, I feel. I lost all that weight, but there's a guy at my house uh came in, and he's wearing a CrossFit shirt, and I asked him, I was like, hey, man, you know, what is CrossFit? And he's like, man, I can't really explain it to you. He's like, why don't you just go with me? So he took me to a CrossFit box, what they call them, the next day, and I immediately joined. I did, a, like, a kind of a trainer class with him, and immediately my wife and I both joined a CrossFit gym here in Hendersonville, Tennessee, and, uh, of course, the way that I do things, I jumped in with both feet, and I've done it five days a week since pretty much. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, and I just recently had uh, Jason Kalipa on the show. He's a former world champion CrossFitter. I know that CrossFit has a big popularity, a big following. Uh, and just as with drugs and alcohol, food can be an addiction, so can working out. So I guess it's, uh, you know, to our benefit if we can kind of switch all these habits over to healthier habits or addictions when we can. It is time to get an important word from our sponsors and then back with more with Chris Henderson. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Are you enjoying First Class Fatherhood? Did you know you can actually get paid just for listening to this podcast? It may sound insane, but it's true. There is a free new app called PodCoin, and it literally pays you to listen to podcasts. Seriously, just go download the free PodCoin app on your iPhone or Android, and if you use my special code, First Class Fatherhood, you will get 300 PodCoins just for signing up. The more you listen, the more PodCoin you earn. And then you turn those PodCoins into gift cards for places like Amazon, Starbucks, or more. So go ahead and listen to this podcast on PodCoin and sign up using the code FIRSTCLASSFATHERHOOD. It will change the way you listen to podcasts. Let's go, dads. You heard me speaking recently about my daddy-daughter date to see Frozen on Broadway, and it was a night to remember. I bought my tickets on SeatGeek.com and used my promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS, and I saved $20 off my tickets, which I used to buy my daughter a souvenir at the show. Right now, baseball season is in full swing. Both NHL and NBA playoffs are heating up. And if you plan on bringing your kids to any live event, go to SeatGeek.com or use the SeatGeek app and plug in my promo code FIRSTCLASS. One word, FIRSTCLASS. And First Class Fatherhood listeners can save $20 off their tickets. It's a slam dunk deal, guys. Go to SeatGeek.com and use the promo code FIRSTCLASS. Fatherhood is the best seat in the house. Uh, and just as with drugs and alcohol, food can be an addiction, so can working out. So I guess it's, uh, you know, to our benefit if we can kind of switch all these habits over to healthier habits or addictions when we can. Well, I think so. And I, I, and I think that there's a, there's a um, with the personality type that people have that get addicted to things, you can use that for good if you try. You know what I mean? It's, like, it's not like um, I'm so addicted to CrossFit and being healthy that it's, it's hurting my life. You know what I mean? It wasn't like drugs and alcohol or staying awake for five or six days. I mean, now I sleep eight hours a day. I'm a better father, a better person, I'm a better uh, a better bandmate, I'm a better husband. I'm better at all of these things, and and these these habits that I've replaced my addiction with are rubbing off on my children now. So now they're eating healthier. They're starting to sleep better. They're starting to my both uh, my 11 year old comes to CrossFit all the time, does CrossFit kids, and so does my 14 year old. So I mean, it's starting to kind of rub off into their life as well. It's uh, all positive things. Yeah, definitely. It's all about replacing these daily errors in judgment with positive disciplines practiced each day, and the results can really be phenomenal. Uh, now, how about your older kids here, Chris? Have you had any issues with drugs or alcohol with any of your kids? 
Uh, one of them has, has, has had some issues with it, um, but the rest of them, no. All my, all my kids, have, it, you know, it seems like they're handling it pretty well. I, I'm the only one. Now, my brothers and sisters have all struggled with it, some of them, but, uh, and, my, and my parents. But so far, my children haven't. Okay, very cool. And since you do run a lot, I'm curious, do you have one of those jogging strollers to kind of push the little one around when you're running? Uh, no, you know what I don't. I tried, my wife ran with me a lot. It was one of those things where um, when I run, I can't do anything but run. I have to be in, I have to be 100% into it. So I, I tried kind of pushing the, pushing one of my kids in the buggy. It didn't work for me. I couldn't really, I couldn't really find the rhythm uh, of running. I needed to, I needed to be, uh, I needed to be in it 100%. So I never really, I never really did that. Okay, and how do you handle bedtime, Chris, uh, with the little ones? Do you read them stories? Are you strumming the guitar at all for them? How does bedtime go down? Uh, well, but my young my young son goes to bed pretty early, so he just pays me ass. He he says he says night night and it's off, man. He he looks at me and goes he goes night night, daddy, and I go okay, and, and off he goes, man. I call him into the bedroom and, and I put him down night night, and uh, and he goes all by himself. My eleven year old, um, he still gets tucked in, which is really cool. It's one of those things. And he loves to listen to music. And he plays guitar as well, and he loves to read. So he'll do all three of those things in the night. He'll, he'll play guitar a little bit, and then he'll go to bed and read and listen to music at the same time. And, and my 17-year-old does the same thing, reads and listens to music. All right, and I know that the technology has had a major impact on many industries out there, but I don't know if anyone has been impacted greater than the music industry. What have been some of the challenges of all this technology for you, and what changes have you had to make because of it? Well, we didn't really make changes. It made the changes for us. Um, it completely turned our world upside down. So you go from one avenue stream of money, you know, you make a living one way, and then almost overnight, because of the way it happened, it happened so fast, and that was in two years, you had to immediately switch to making money a different way. And I'll think of it like this. So when you have that, when you have a revenue stream that comes in the same way for 100 years, and you have all these different people that are connected to that revenue stream at different levels, drawing off of that same revenue stream at different levels, then all of a sudden that revenue stream stops. Well, now you have all these people trying to reconnect to the new revenue stream all at the same time, and everyone's trying to get as, as high as a position as they can, right? So it really comes down to who moves the fastest, who's the smartest, who's the best lawyer. And it's a nightmare, man. And I'm talking about record labels, recording studios, publishers, band members, songwriters, um, all the way down to the guy who sweeps the floor at the studio. Everyone had their world turned upside down, their feet kicked out from under them overnight. It was a, it was a rough, a rough and tumble transition, man. And, uh, the one thing that saved Three Doors Down is that we had a touring, a touring base. We could go out and play shows. Until the revenue stream came back around, and it really hasn't. Uh, the songwriting isn't the same. Uh, record sales don't exist anymore. All you have is streaming, and streaming, you know, it it, uh, it pays the bills, but it doesn't pay the bills like like it used to. And um, it's tough, man. But you know what you do? You just go. You work a little bit harder. You work a little bit smarter, and you roll with the punches. You know, you change or you get left behind. Yeah, very well said. And I grew up buying the albums and the singles and looking forward to pulling out the cassette tape insert and checking out the lyrics and the cover art and all that. Um, but I can't remember the last time that I paid to buy an album. Everything is Spotify, Pandora, or YouTube. And speaking about all those things and this technology, it's a struggle for many of us parents out there. How do you kind of handle it, especially with the 17-year-old and the 11-year-old? How do you kind of handle all the technology with them? Well, we, we have to earn it. 
So the 17-year-old is a different story. I mean, my daughter, she's uh, she's getting ready to graduate high school early. She does her she, she does really well with it. You know, she's really responsible. Um, I don't really monitor her technology so much. I used to, but my 11-year-old, um, you know, no cell phone, no iPad. He watches an hour of TV a night if he earns it. Uh, he can listen to music, but man, we don't do YouTube. Uh, once a week, he gets 30 minutes of YouTube because he likes to watch. Um, he likes to watch uh, one of those YouTube guys that all he does is play a video game and he watches him play the video game. So yeah. I figure, you know, that's. A, I mean, if I let him, he'll do that 24/7. He'll sit in front of an iPad or a computer and watch YouTube the same thing over and over and over again. I just don't see the benefit of it. So I make him earn it through chores and. Uh, and through homework, you know, if he if he brings home bad grades, he doesn't get it. But if he uh, if he does his homework on time, turns in his work, goes to school every day, keeps his room clean, does his chores, then he can have 30 minutes of YouTube on the weekend. He can watch an hour of TV a day, and that's how we do it. Um, no technology in the bed, period. Yeah, I like that philosophy, Chris. And talk about addictions here. I mean, I've had guys in the podcast who have explained that just by refreshing the screen to check for those likes and comments on social media produces that same dopamine hit that's produced when you pull the handle on a slot machine. So uh, the stuff is highly addictive, and kids are getting uh, sucked into it at such an early age now. I'm scared to death of it. Uh, and, and what it's done to me, you know, I mean, we've already had a conversation about how I am and, and, and who I can become if I'm not careful. And uh, it scares me to death. You know, Instagram, i got a lot of followers on Instagram. i got a lot of followers on Twitter and Facebook. And, and I'm like you. I post, and then I go back and look to see if anyone's like it, see if there's any comments. And, you know, it's really tough. So, what you know, what I did is I installed a timer on my phone where it tells me that when my 15 minutes of social media a day is up. Yeah, it does require some discipline for sure. And I know that three doors down, you guys are still touring. Uh, do you ever bring the kids with you when you travel and you go touring or no? Um, I try to bring them as much as I can. It's really difficult, the tour with children and tour with family. Um, it's really hard, man, especially the way that the band tours these days. Uh, so I don't bring them as much as I'd like to and as much as I did in the past. Things have been kind of streamlined, you know what I mean? But like I said, the money's not the same. It doesn't really it doesn't make sense a lot of times to, to, to take them. So I don't. It, so it's really tough. So... But the good news is the band doesn't, we don't tour, uh, you know, seven months out of the year anymore. We tour maybe three. So I'm home a lot more. Okay, good stuff. And how about disciplining the kids, Chris? What type of disciplinarian are you as a father? Well, I'm not a very good spanker. Not a very often spanker. Um, spanking to me was always only the last resort. I, I was always kind of a timeout guy and a tone of voice guy. And it worked with my daughters. But the two boys, the tone of voice doesn't work so much because they kind of see through that a bit. So you have to be, you have to be a bit more creative, I think. So what I've done is I've I've, I've used decision. So when when something happens, especially with my two-year-old, instead of just snapping him up and spanking him like you know maybe I would have been done or maybe I would have done in the past, I make I get him to make a decision first. I let him know, hey, you're going to get in trouble. Do you want to get in trouble? If you don't want to get in trouble, then this is what you got to do. And that, it seems to be working. That and time out. Yeah, The 11-year-old cool. take YouTube away from me. good to go. <laughs> yeah, I hear you there. All right, you've had so much success here with Three Doors Down for such a long time. What type of goals or plans do you have here for yourself for the future? Well, I want to move, uh, I want to move my children um, into the country a bit. I think, you know, I live in the city. I live in Hendersonville, Tennessee. It's... um. 
it's suburbia, basically. It's, it's, it's a, a suburb of Nashville. And, um, you know, it's got everything you need, the Walmarts, blah, blah, blah. I want to kind of get off into the country a bit and teach the kids how to live off the land a little bit and, uh, and teach them to provide for themselves in that respect. Um, the way the way that I was brought up, I was brought up in the country like that, you know what I mean? So raising animals and kind of like living off the, living out of my yard almost. I want to try, that's, that's my next kind of goal for them. All right, I like that. Last thing I want to hit you with here, Chris, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Uh, be smart with the technology. Um, I think I think the technology is the, is the, the, one, the one bit of advice that I can give is when, you know, from what I see, my children, the way that I have a relationship with my children now and my friends' children, the ones that don't kind of curb technology, just kind of hand the, the electronic babysitter to the baby, I see a huge difference in relationship with them. So I, I think, and this is just my opinion, I could be way off the mark. I'm not definitely not a child psychologist or a behavior specialist. But, um, you know, working at that treatment center with teenagers and seeing how they are without technology, seeing how my children are without technology, and seeing how my friends' children are with technology, I say that that's the, that's the key to the relationship with the child at an early age. Keep that stuff, keep it, keep it locked up and give it to them really sparingly and, and, and learn to communicate with them. Yeah, very well said. I love the advice. Uh, this has been a lot of fun for me. i got to say, Chris Henderson, you are a first-class father, and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on First Class Fatherhood. Well, thank you. All right, I'm back with a couple of closing thoughts here in just a second. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Chris Henderson for giving me a few minutes of his time. That was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM over on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. And then lock it in. Tomorrow on the show, we have actor AJ Buckley stopping by, and we have an awesome giveaway to announce. Stay tuned for the details. Lock it in tomorrow to find out more about that. Thursday on the podcast, stuntman and BMX phenomenon Mike Escamilla stops by. And Friday, we are going to finish it off strong with a Frogman Friday edition of First Class Fatherhood. Former Navy SEAL Clark and Pastato will be here to close out the week with a bang. All right, that's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. <laughs>